is Valerie Catonio, and I'm the host of the Prison Pod podcast. I have Stephen Matthew Clark joining me today, and you can find us on YouTube. And if you would tell us a little bit about uh, where you are and what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, my name is, well, first of all, thank you for, I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing and for the opportunity to share space with you today. Um, I admire the Prison Podcast, and I know that you've been on the Adivo tablets for a long period of time. So I just want to say thank you for this space to show up and be able to share with everyone. With that, my name is Stephen Matthew Clark. I am a resident at the Maine State Prison. I've been here for the past 18 years, and for the past 18 years, I have diligently worked to take significant responsibility for the actions and choices that led me to prison. And in that taking responsibility, I have um, worked hard at getting myself educated and understanding myself better. I've worked hard at giving back to my community in many different volunteer roles. And I've worked hard um, for atoning and, and to atone for my actions by the choices and decisions that I currently make in my life today. I also, I think you and I met through the awakening exchange with the tagline transforming from the inside out, just like meditation, yoga, or prayer. The change really needs to start within a person before there can be change outside. And I believe the same is true for the prison system. For the change to take place, it can't be from the outside coming in. That change needs to take place from inside the system. Knowing that, I am currently finishing up my master's degree at Life University, studying coaching, positive psychology, and positive organizational scholarship. I'm also running where, again, where I met you, the Awakening Exchange, which is an exchange where people from all over the world come together to talk about prison reform, criminal justice reform, and creating solutions to heal this system that we call quote-unquote corrections. One thing that I've really enjoyed is there is such a great variety of people on the Awakening. How did you start that? I mean, that's quite a thing to be um, attempting to do on the outside. How in the world did you ever come about organizing this and putting all of this together? Yeah, thank you. So through the degree at Life University and the work that I'm doing with positive psychology and coaching, I have... Uh, met a wide range of people on the outside that are supportive and believe in criminal justice and prison reform. And for my capstone project, my job was to present my project on an exchange to a group of around 50 people. And the exchange, there were so many people that had shown up for that exchange. Um, one of the folks that were in attendance has done this for their profession for a long period of time. And they were so impressed by the way that we presented the capstone 
they presented me an opportunity to start running and doing exchanges through their platform. And that's really, I mean, that's just by connection and through connection through school um, and having that academic freedom to make connections is really um, how and where it all started. And how did the facility administration um, feel about this type of a platform when you brought it to them? That's a really good question. So my um, capstone project, I had invited the warden um, several staff members that work here and several folks that are in uh, contact with the Department of Corrections on the outside. And I think the feedback, what had happened is the event went so well and their feedback was so well received. The prison administration, I think they were a little bit hesitant at first, but they were really supportive an ally and a friend of mine is Commissioner Randy Liberty, um, somebody that has been there since the very beginning of my studies. And his position is he deeply, deeply believes in the work that I'm doing. And because of that, Matthew Magnuson, our warden, also has been, you know, one of our biggest supporters of the work that we're doing. These two men, first of all, I just want to say I'm blessed to be underneath their leadership. These two men, through their leadership, through the way that they do business with the world and in corrections, they're opening up possibilities for us that never would have been possible. So really the question, um, how, is because of the work that I've done, I believe in the prison for the past 15 years, working with over, you know, 1,500 people at this point in time. So I think it's years, 14 or 15 years of being in work and being of service and showing through my actions and my behaviors that uh, the work that I'm doing is meaningful. I think that also contributed to having the, the platitude and the flexibility to be able to run these exchanges the way that we're running them. I would imagine that um, by doing the studies that you've done and by doing this platform, there are times that you gain some inner peace also. And one thing that I really like about the way you do the awakening is it's at the end of the workday and you have a good way of going in and centering people to bring that level of anxiety and go, 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 rush, rush, rush. You have a, a calming voice, a calming presence, and you usually do some sort of an exercise or somebody in the group does some sort of a breathing or a calming exercise. And I have just realized how important that would be if we could start adding that to all meetings that we have. If every time we get together on a Zoom meeting, we take five minutes just to take a couple of deep breaths, relax, let go of the day. And is that something that you've done through the whole awakening or is that just something new? Yeah, that's a great point and a great question. So thank you very much for bringing that to the surface and, you know, putting a light on the importance of mindfulness so one of the things that I've found through my studies and through the work that I've done in the introduction of many groups here at the prison 
is because of the world that we live in today, most people's sympathetic response systems are jacked and are in are in high gear, meaning that we have a flood of adrenaline, cortisol, and histamines pumping through our system. There's so many different topics surrounding us, whether it's vaccines, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's global warming, whether it's just um, really the way that the world is today. So you take all those issues that are swirling around us today that have created connection and disconnection. And if you take the busy lives that we have, a lot of times we're not taking the time to take the oxygen mask and put it on ourselves. We're trying to help everybody else. So what I found is it is imperative to start any meeting to put that oxygen mask on ourselves, to give ourselves a space to connect the mind to the heart, to create that coherence. So when things are coherent, they're flowing evenly. When things are incoherent, they're way out of whack. And we can actually see that on EKG monitors and in uh, other heart monitors that they utilize. What I found is when we come into any meeting space, it is really important that we find that equanimity and that baseline to be able to function. What that does, that creates an opportunity for us to be more present, to more open to what is being said and what's being shared. In addition, it's really good for our health um, for many different ways. You know, they say isolation and stress can be worse than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. So when we come together and we create spaces of healing, that can be stressful at times too, especially if we're not used to it. So if we give people an opportunity to align their hearts and their minds to become more open and present, I think there's a lot more opportunity to learn, to heal, to love, and to grow together. That was beautiful. Thank you. The one thing that I took away from one of the, the group awakening meetings was the heart breathing where you take in the breath and you feel the breath going around your heart. And when they first started talking about the exercise, I thought, how can you do that? Because when you're breathing, you're breathing down into your lungs. But if you put your mind to it, and this is how much the mind and the heart are connected, you could feel it. So now I practice doing that in my meditation. I do, I bring it into my heart and I swear that I can feel air circling my heart. And it's like, to me, it's a way of opening your heart. That's right. Yeah. It's so there's an organization called HeartMath. And what HeartMath has discovered is on the heart, there's actually neurons that emulate the brain, they emulate the same cells that are in the brain. And the idea is that we actually think and lead by our hearts. And if you don't believe that, fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> fall in love and see what you're leading by. So the idea is if we actually do a lot of thinking with our hearts, 
you ask somebody where your soul is, they usually point down to their heart. Um, just try it out if you don't believe me. If our souls are in our heart area, and our consciousness is a combination of our heart and our mind, it is of utmost importance and essential for the two to be aligned. Personally, personal antidote of my own is when I find that my heart and my mind are out of whack, when I find like they're not functioning together, when I'm operating just and I'm all in my head about things, it can really get me in trouble. It can create delusion, the inability to see the truth from the faults. It can create a sense of craving, a sense of attachment. But when I bring my heart into it, and when I really allow the two to be together, it's what Ram Das taught us about be here now. It really gives me that opportunity to truly be here with you right now in this moment. So it's as simple as just activating the heart by bringing your hand up, almost like you're pledging allegiance to the flag. Just focusing on that area, allowing that area to know that it exists. And then allowing the mind to think of someone, something that you really love or appreciate. It could be a flower, it could be your kiddo, it could be a loved one, it could be a Paris, it could be a um, it could be Cancun, Mexico. It could be anything, anything that you really appreciate and enjoy. And then with those things in mind and your hand on your heart activating it, as you just said and discussed, just taking a nice deep breath and inhaling through the heart and exhaling through the heart, really allowing that heart to be activated. And you said the power of the mind. There's a ancient Hawaiian... Um, practice called Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono is essentially a therapy or a healing modality that is based on activation of the heart in four simple affirmations. Thank you. I love you. Forgive me. And I'm sorry. And they found through this ancient practice of Ho'oponopono, communities have been healed. People have been healed and there is a lot of human connection that can be fostered and take place. So it just starts, first of all, with activating the heart. And that's why we start the awakening exchanges with heart or meditation exercises. Because when there's that coherence, there's so much more we can gain and learn and open up and share with one another in a place of compassion in kindness and openness and then the soul is actually involved as well and when the soul is involved holy moses we can do a whole lot of good in this world you know um that's really beautiful and that is so true you know as far as you have to have that balance the two have to be together you know but one thing i find today is we're taught not to be emotional you know, like, and I think that we have a misconception about what our emotions are all about. Like, people say, well, you shouldn't get angry. Well, you can get angry, but you have to know how to handle that anger and how to look at that anger and say, okay, I'm angry. Why is that? 
and let's take care of this anger now before it goes any further. And then, of course, you have to go to the heart and to the mind, you know, and you have to bring the heart in because sometimes the mind does things that we don't completely have control over. It, it tends to wander, you know, that's like in meditation, you know, when you have to bring yourself back, you're thinking about what you have to do three hours from now rather than being in the moment. That's right. And and I think that's one of the critical points that um, really has been reinforced is staying in the moment. Mm. And, and we tend to beat ourselves up about the past and we worry about the future and we don't take time to enjoy what we have right in front of us. That's that's the truth. You know, I think Carl Jung said it best. He said, he who looks outside of himself dreams, but he who looks within himself awakens. And when we have that space to look within and that space to make connection with self and with source, there's really a... a a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for some mystical and magical moments to take place. But you're absolutely right. We get so captured and caught up in the things that we've done or didn't do and in the things that we hope to do and hope to accomplish in the future that we're missing, like you said, the present, which is a present moment in which is really the only truth that we have because the past has already happened. That's gone. The future is something that we're working on and working towards, not here yet. And right now, right here is what we got. But we're so caught up in either or that we're missing the right here and right now. So yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. That's one of the things that we hope you know, while the awakening is about criminal justice and prison reform, it's about healing, it's about human connection, it's about inclusivity, it's about love, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also about self-care and about mindfulness because when you have all those other things that I just named, essentially... What that does, that fosters a higher vibration and level of self. And what do I mean by vibration and level of self? Well, really what I mean by is we can feel each other's energies. We can feel each other's frequencies. We can help heal each other with love and with compassion. And when we're suffering and we're in that dark place, sometimes it's really, really difficult to bring the light out. But when we're in that place of peace and equanimity, kindness, sharing, compassion, when we're really in that space of humanness, vulnerability, taking responsibility, and sharing our spirit with one another, that's some of the best self-care that you can get. <laughs> that really is. Isn't it's that a, the truth? It really is. That's a great way of putting that. You know, and... You know, as you were talking, I was also thinking of happiness, you know, that we think happiness is something that's outside of us, and it's not. It's we have to find happiness within. We don't find happiness in things. We don't find happiness in other people. 
We find happiness within, and then we grow from there, and we spread that happiness. Hopefully. That's that. That is the truth. Yeah, and and you know the interesting thing too, Val, is I'm I'm realizing this more and more and more. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the the hard way and the real difficult way, but it seems as though like our suffering that we have to move through and go through in life, it seems like that suffering is the catalyst for happiness to arrive. You know, that's why in my practice, we have the term that without the compost, the flowers cannot grow. So we find happiness in our suffering. So the suffering creates that fertile soil and in that fertile soil for those happiness moments to arrive in those happiness moments to grow from Sri Narajari said it best. He said, wisdom tells me I'm nothing. Love tells me I am everything. And in between the two, my life flows. And I think that's the truth. It's like, we have these experiences that beat us up and can really, if we tap into them, we can become stigmatized and labeled and we can buy into these diagnoses and we can buy into these ideas and concepts that people put on us. But the truth and the reality is if we can tap into love and see beyond all that, and we can see into our potentialness as a human being and really who and what we really are, Goodness gracious, my friend, there's so much opportunity to love one another, help one another, and provide each other with a platform and a space to be seen, heard, and felt. The three things that we're really, really missing nowadays. Well, we're missing it in society, but the people that are incarcerated are really missing those things in their lives as far as... Uh, this program being available to people that are inside, the, the changes that it can make in people's self-worth. I mean, how you feel about yourself. I mean, one thing that I found, the, lo the more I learn, the more I discovered about myself. The more I read, I become better understanding of other people and other people's situations which will help us be more compassionate and have empathy for each other because everybody has a story, you know, and very few people really tell their stories. Mm -hmm. And this is one thing that platforms like this are doing. And um, I never thought something like this would come out of the main state prison. Mm -hmm. I am amazed at the work that they have done there allowing some of the programs to happen and encouraging them. That's the best part is to see, you know, people are lifting you up from yeah, inside. Well, yes. That's so there you go, my dear friend. That just, you just, you just nailed it. We live in a society that thrives off negativity. The prison's like that too. You get in a fist fight here, you'll have 674 guys. I think that's the total population right now. They'll come up, give you a high five and tell you what a wonderful job you did. You graduate with two bachelor's degrees, certification in mental health, substance abuse. You become a recovery coach three times over, a peer support specialist, personal support specialist. You might have four guys that come over. 
and that's really speaks to what society is as well. You know, we live in a society that does not lift people up and we live in a culture and a system that really puts people down. And I think one of the greatest gifts is the freedom. The, and it goes back to that word freedom, having academic freedom and getting into a higher education, a master's degree really opened up many doors that would have not been there otherwise. And our warden, you know, I can't speak highly enough about him. He's a man of integrity. He is a compassionate person. I know that because a very dear friend of mine that was released years ago, he told me that Matt was one of the only people that had called him when he was released to ask him how he was doing. So you have the warden of the main state prison who's got a lot of things to do calling somebody that he made a connection with while he was a probation officer to check in with that individual to make sure that person's doing well. So that just told me that the, the type of leadership that I'm under now is it a perfect system. I just want to say this too, because I'm not going to uh, paint this beautiful picture and say that there isn't room for improvement. There is a heck of a heck of a lot of room for improvement, but the point is we are in a system that fosters and provides space to grow. And, you know, we, we've had negative publicity about many different things here at the prison. And I, I it, it freaking infuriates me <laughs> and it infuriates me because what that does, it takes away from the goodness that's happening here. You know, we have, I have a friend of mine that's teaching at Colby college I have a friend of mine that's doing outstanding work with youth and justice work. I have people surrounding me that are lifting each other up that are, that are really going through it. We have the SIPS program in here. Now we have a dog program in here. Now that's extraordinary helping shelter dogs and helping dogs become trained to take care of our veterans as therapy dogs. We have a wood shop that really has a lot of potential to um, help people with job skills and training. And we really, I mean, they, they just had a really negative added, um, article about the staff here. So I have, I'm one of these guys that has empathy towards the staff. And I have empathy in knowing that they're under, they're short staffed. They come in here to do the best job that they possibly can. The majority of them foster pretty good conversations. Unless you're a butthead to them, they will be a butthead back to you. But for the most part, they're just people too that are trying to do their best. And is there an old draconian punitive model that's still existent? And is there still res um, resin from that left over from the old system that's been in place? Absolutely. I feel it every day. But at the same time, you know, I just had a really good conversation about uh, my studies with an officer here. And that officer came up to just knock on my door and checked into how I was doing. That's freaking amazing to me. How's you doing? Yeah, How's yeah. your studies going? Right. And Benner, he's been here. You know, I've seen him off and on or, uh, around this facility, but that speaks volume. So and then these officers vent whatever social media place they were just on there venting. And some of the stuff is not anything that um, I would say myself personally, 
But then again, when we're in triggers and we're with that fight and flight and the sympathetic response and our lid is flipped and we're not thinking and we're really um, we're really in that place where we don't feel loved and supported and you're working 70 to 80 to 90 hours a week, people need to vent. Yeah. And was that the best way to do it? No. But at the same time, we live in one of the safest prison systems out there. And that's because of the administration and the staff. And that's also because I, I get to say it's because of the prisoners that are here too. The men that are in this facility look out for one another. They care about each other. They hold each other accountable. They lift each other up. And we're all utilizing educations to turn this into more of a college campus versus uh, uh, more, you know, what they think about the old bars and steel, you know, somebody behind the bars. Right. There's, there's still a sense of isolation that has gone on here, but the freedom the freedom to open the mind, to open the heart, and to open the spirit has really, really, really opened up thanks to Commissioner Liberty and Warden Magnuson. And also, I, I can also give credit to the programs. You know, I, um, Kate Gretz, she's, she runs the education department here. She's doing an amazing job. Um, Phil Pataco, education, Dr. Johnson, amazing jobs at helping. You have uh, Miss Heather Richardson that's doing the programs, and she's doing an amazing job. So there's a lot. There's a lot of people coming together to make things happen here, and it really takes an army of people with a good attitude and a good heart to make these changes. So there's a bunch of people contributing, and it's it's really a gift to see. Well, they need to learn new ways, just like we need to learn new you ways. Know, like you said before, we've um, focused so much on punitive justice for so many years. And restorative justice is a much better way to go. And getting to the root of the problem, you know, we, you know, when we look at the majority of people who come into prison, there's trauma that's happened before they ever get there. And then the whole just coming into the system in itself is traumatic and living there is traumatic. You know, uh, you add all these levels and levels and then you end up with post-incarceration syndrome when you come home. So having platforms like this and having just education in itself can change that whole path. You know, it's just, I don't know. I'm just so happy to see this happening. Mm, um, yeah. It really touches my heart to think that people inside that are working in these facilities are human beings too. Mm -hmm, and yeah. we have to recognize that, you know. Mm. And I'm really glad that you pointed out the people that are doing good work because there is a lot of negativity when it comes to corrections, and there is still a lot that needs to change. But we have to recognize the changes that are going on and the opportunities that have come about these last few years that have just been amazing. And the mm. awakening, of course, is the biggest thing I've seen yet. I mean, yeah. really. Um, and I'm assuming that this is like the first of its kind in a prison. Am I right? Mm. This is the first of its kind in the prison, Val. And I just, it's interesting. I got an email um, three days ago from a fellow that lives in Nebraska. 
And his email was really, really heartfelt. He said, in all of his years of working in prison reform and criminal justice reform, he's never had a space where he really seen, feels and has felt, seen, heard and felt. And he said the awakening just over the past seven months of attending, he has made connections across the world. Those connections have provided him resources that he never would have had. And he was almost emotional. Um, you could feel the emotion in his email. So I sent him an email back and we had a short meeting. And he was just really, really, um, really thankful and grateful for this space. And I think that's really, that speaks volumes to what we are doing. It speaks volumes to what the awakening is. And it speaks volumes to the potential that this really has. So this is the first of its kind. And again, we have to give some um, credence and some, um, we have to really honor Commissioner Liberty and Warden Mag Newsom for the space to be able to do this. And also honor you, Val, and the other folks that are involved in the awakening that come each month, that contribute, that put together wisdom, ideas, thoughts, compassion, kindness, people that are, we're all driving this together, right? So... We have to give thanks to everybody that's involved. And then the other thing I think that's important is if we're going to bring parole back into Maine and we're going to create opportunities for people to heal and get released from this prison system to give back to our state, I think we need to also let the broader um, society and the broader audience of Maine residents know what's happening. Because if they're only getting the negative stories that are being produced in the papers and they're not getting the truth, in the whole truth of what's happening, I think really that can muddy the waters and muddy public perception. So that's the other thing. I just want to say thank you for your podcast because it gives people an opportunity in Maine to know that there's a lot more goodness happening here in the prison than just the negative stuff that's being painted and presented because new negative news sells, you know, the, exactly. the bunny, the happy bunny rabbit or the, the guy earning a master's degree and get, starting a PhD doesn't sell a new story, but somebody that assaulted in the prison, people are interested in that because it fuels a narrative people want. And the narrative people want is just based on their hurt themselves. Hurt people hurt people. So when you're hurt, you lean more towards the hurt, the pain, the suffering. But when you're in a place where you're moving through your hurt, you want more of the good stuff. And I think we have a chance to spread that good stuff together. Yeah, I agree with that. I think too, with um, people can see the human side of people who are in our prisons. And I think that they forget that, you know, people are portrayed to be less than human. And we have to stop that. We have to start saying, okay, let's look at these humans that we're talking about. And let's look at what happened to them. And uh, somebody said something about uh, stop saving the people falling in falling in the river. Go upstream and find out why they're falling in. There you go. You know? there, there you go. Thank you. We have, so, and we're so prone and so so used to. Oh, let me um, let me be present beside you in your suffering. Well, that's cool. I get it. I appreciate that. But let's find out why the suffering is there. Right. Exactly. If people are falling in the river because the bridge is broken upstream, let's go up and fix the bridge. 
So I appreciate the fact that we're doing all this stuff with peer support and recovery coaches and everything else that's going on, standing beside a person in their pain. But let's figure out why that pain's existing and help create solutions for the pain, right? Because all we're doing is we're exasperating and elongating and allowing the challenges to go on if we're not coming up with solutions. I was going to say, by coming up with the solutions, we're saving our children. That's right. That's right. We're saving our society. We're saving our earth. Think about it. It runs a lot deeper than just our, we're saving our communities. We're saving our children. We're saving our earth. We're saving our environment. We're saving ourselves. We're saving humanity. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about saving ourselves is that's what we really need to do first. That's right. You know, save ourselves. And then, you know, we can give other people share our toolbox Start taking our tools out and say, okay, hey, I've got that hammer for you to take care of that problem. That's you know? right. That's I have right. that duct tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's duct tape, right? <laughs> let, let me, Lord, let me show you, like, if you're interested, because not everybody's interested either. If they're open, they have to be open and willing. And we can right. show them how we, don't just tell them, but show them how we used it. I love what Dr. King said, Val. He said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. So I really believe prison prevents presents that unique opportunity to really show who we are in those moments of controversy and challenge. What happens? Some people, they fold in and they react. And they create more challenges for themselves. But I think what really defines a man or a woman is when we're in that suffering and how we come out of that suffering, how we utilize that opportunity for growth and how we utilize that opportunity to give back and make a better humanity and create those solutions to help our children, to help our earth and to help our communities. Thankful. Thank, thank you. That was powerfully said. What's coming up next on the awakening? What's what's the future here for yeah. what you're doing? Thank you. Yeah. So so short term, let's just a real honed in view on the 24th or 23rd rather. We have David DeRocher from the Other Side Academy. Um he runs an organization in Utah with a 93-94% non-recidivism rate for a diversionary program. And it's a powerful program. There's no counselors or therapists or anything. It's just all peers helping each other. So we have him to talk about his work. And I think the broader, the more meta kind of view is we're going to be opening up a men's group and a woman's group. We're going to be providing more resources for people across the country and world for prison reform and criminal justice reform, reentry. What we're trying to do is unsilo all the siloed work that's been done rather than people competing for grant dollars and, and these dollars that are out there. We're going to unsilo that. So there's just more of an opportunity for people to get involved um, more out of just volunteerism and kindness. And what we're trying to do is, is bridge gaps across the country uh, with people that are involved in this work. So we're creating a culture of people that are bought into criminal justice and prison reform in a way that's not overbearing, not too far on either side, but more in the middle where people can meet 
And long term, we hope to just keep building the exchange, um, I would say, into you know, a couple few hundred people each month. In between each guest session, we'll have um, support sessions for people. And then I'm working with um, a couple renowned doctors and coaches across the country to set up workshops. And those workshops will provide training to people on presenting and on self-care and other issues um, that people can learn and then take back into their tribes of people to um, do teaching and do facilitation with. And if people want to find out more about the awakening or how to get involved, how would they go about that? Yeah, so a really great way, an easy way is to go to www dot awakening exchange dot com that's www.awakeningexchange.com you can find information about past events upcoming events um, and here in the near future we'll have another platform too that's more of a social media platform where people can get on and make connections and share resources so that will also be mentioned on the Awakening Exchange platform. And if you know somebody in criminal justice reform, just ask them. I'm sure that they've heard of our program and they can direct you to where we are and get you a link. And if not, you can always reach out to me. My email is Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N dot Clark, C-L-A-R-K two at student dot life dot E-D-U. And that's Stephen dot Clark to the number at, at student.life.edu. Okay, great. And do you have any closing words you'd like to have before we end today? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that individually we can get there really fast. There's no doubt about that. But usually when we get there fast, we're leaving everybody else behind and we're there alone. But when we do things collectively and collaboratively, we can get there together at a pace that works for everybody and at a pace that we will actually create a new system. And we've had these systems in place for a long period of time, but the I needs to transfer into the we before there's a new it's. So if we think of the work of Ken Wilber and the collective consciousness to change consciousness, it starts with us as an individual, but us moves into our values, the way we're showing up in the world. And then that moves down into the we collectively, which will ultimately transfer into the it's, which is the systems that are currently in place. So what I, I guess my closing words are is let's do this with love. Let's do this with compassion and let's do it together. And if there's anything about any of us that you don't like, that you see that's not really serving you and your world, show up and tell us why. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. And I think if we can talk about it and we can do it in a way that does foster transformative and restorative justice and new solutions of healing, I think we've done a lot of good in the world. And yeah, stop. I would say stop siloing the work and let's do this work together. Well, you've really made some great points today. I want to thank you so much for sharing the work that you're doing. Um, I feel um, blessed that I'm allowed to be 
part of this. Um, I, I really feel like the awakening has brought something into my life that's important. And I've been doing this work a lot and long time. And it is really uh, wonderful to see this kind of work coming about. And I just look forward to where it's going because great things are going to happen for all of us. Thank you so much. And thank you for being part of this journey with us. And thank you for allowing me to be part of you as well. Many blessings, my friend. Thank you.